yoga is my personal practice every single day, both physical yoga and meditation. But, um, you know, what I'm doing now, in addition to coaching private clients and writing, is um, just continuing to deepen my own personal practice. And so that's that's never going to go away. That's, that's here to stay. Welcome to Exploring Mind and Body with Drew Tadia. Drew is an expert in nutrition, fitness, lifestyle, and more. And he wants to help you live a healthier, longer, and more active life. Now here's your host, Drew Tadia. Welcome to another edition of Nationally Syndicated, Exploring Mind and Body. Thank you so much for being here. Thank you for tuning in and being a part of our True Form Life community. We're coming at you with a brand new show. We appreciate whether you're listening on terrestrial radio across the country or as a podcast around the world. We certainly wouldn't be here without you. So stick around. We got all that coming up. This is Exploring Mind and Body. Naturally improve your lifestyle one show at a time with your host, Drew Tadia. All right, welcome to another edition of Nationally Syndicated Exploring Mind and Body. We have Jenny Lee with us right now. Welcome to the show, Jenny. Hey, Drew. It's nice to be with you today. All right, Jenny. Thanks for joining us again. You came back for a second time. Tell us what your first book was that we talked about. I think it was Um, Breathing Love. Okay, Breathing Love. Yeah, so. So if any of our listeners want to go back and check that show out, you can go to exploringmindandbody.com slash breathinglove, and then you can hear the first interview that we did together. That was a while ago, though. Yeah, a couple of years back. Um, I think it was 2018 that one released. Okay. Awesome. Yeah. Well, thanks for coming back and joining us. Yeah, thanks. I'm excited to talk to you about my new book, Spark Change. Yes. Well, tell us about tell us about yourself. Give, give us our audience a chance to get to know you a bit more. Sure. I, In addition to being an author um, of books on yoga and meditation and spirituality, um, I'm also a longtime yoga therapist. So that's a coaching process that it really incorporates a lot of the yoga t- tools, um, it, not just the movement, but also the meditation and a lot of the mind philosophy that goes along with the classical practice of yoga. So that's been my life for the last 20 years. And um, yeah, it's been a lot of fun. What were you doing before this? Before the yoga and the writing, <clears throat> I was in Los Angeles as an actor. <laughs> and, uh, I had 12 years in the acting field. So Nothing major. You haven't seen me on anything like super significant. A few soap operas and Hawaii Five O's and that kind of thing. <laughs> Does it feel like a different life? Oh yeah, totally different life. I've had like at least three totally different lifetimes in this lifetime. So <laughs> that's okay. Are you happy to be moved on and doing something different? Oh yeah. You know, the last couple decades of being in the yoga world has been amazing. It's definitely been um, what has brought me the greatest peace and joy and connected me with so many cool people. Um, I love I just love all the people I get to work with individually and I love hearing from my readers and hearing how my words touch their lives and and actually do spark change in their lives so that's pretty cool to see transformation happening for people what was the transformation for you why did, how did you go from acting to yoga well um, I actually started practicing yoga while I was acting in Los Angeles. My first yoga class was with Brian Kest in Santa Monica. And, um, 
And so that became my personal practice for many years. But then <clears throat> it was through a series of really challenging times in my life, a couple cross-country moves, a divorce, um, <clears throat> a difficult pregnancy that I started looking for some deeper answers to life's challenges. And I started studying the yoga philosophy and um, just looking at, you know, what were the tools that I could utilize to come into a greater sense of peace and equanimity in my own mind and life. And so then as my life shifted, I moved to the East Coast and um, found myself single again and decided that the only thing that I really felt called to do was open a yoga studio. So I opened a yoga studio in the Boston area and had that for about 10 years. Um, had an amazing community of people, many of whom I'm still in touch with. But then the next big life change came and I decided I wanted to get as far away from snow as possible. So I moved to Hawaii and I'm still here in Hawaii 10 years later and loving it, have learned to surf and um, totally embracing the island lifestyle. That's awesome. How long have you been there? 10 years in Hawaii. Wow. Okay. So after 10 years, you should be moving somewhere else, no? Uh, yeah, you'd say it's about that that cycle. But no, I'm pretty settled here. The only place that I think about going for periods of the year is Italy. I uh, I speak Italian. I, I lived there for a little while early in my twenties, and um, I I have a big soft spot in my heart for the Italian people and and Italian wine and food too. So <laughs> <laughs> so that could be. <laughs> That could be in my future. Who knows? If I could have a place in Hawaii and a place in Tuscany, that'd be pretty much perfect for me. <laughs> <laughs> Tell me what the difference is. You said that you, are you practicing yoga now as well as writing about? Yes. Yes, I do. I practice, yoga is my personal practice every single day, both physical yoga and meditation. Um, in fact, the book that you and I had spoken about before, Breathing Love, uh, the subtitle to that one is Meditation in Action. So it was really uh, looking at how we take our meditation practice off the cushion and into the world and really live the principles of, of love and compassion in our greater lives. But, um, you know, what I'm doing now, in addition to coaching private clients and writing, is um, just continuing to deepen my own personal practice. And so that's that's never going to go away. That's, that's here to stay. So tell us how to, someone might get started. I know that's a tough one for a lot of people when it comes to meditation and yoga, but... You get, you get two for one shot here with this interview. I feel like a lot of people try and then fall off. I mean, I certainly yeah. have. You know what's interesting? Before we, maybe the last couple of weeks, I've just started meditation again, which I know we all need. So, But I have an issue too. Like I always I get in there and I meditate for maybe five to 10 minutes. And then I slowly increase to about 30 minutes. And I can do that for about two or three months. And then for whatever reason... I know how good it makes me feel. I know the benefits. I go back to not. <laughs> yeah. Well, I don't think you're alone in that, Drew. Um, you know, everybody says, oh, I can't, I can't meditate. My mind is too restless. And it's like, yeah, pretty much. Every, but that's true for everybody. You are not alone in that. And it is a challenging practice. You know, it's like anything else. But you're, you're a trainer, right? Like anybody who's trained or been an athlete or has developed any skill it takes time and you build that muscle and i call meditation like a a muscle of self-discipline and so you it you, 
you can't expect to feel like some kind of massive transcendent bliss the first time you sit down, like it's just not going to happen. But as you build the muscle and you do that incremental practice of five minutes and 10 minutes and working your way up and, and really even a 10 minute practice daily is awesome. It's more important to be consistent than it is to be lengthy with your practice. Um, and because the consistency is what builds that muscle, right? And then over time, it will deepen naturally. And I find that I feel the effects of meditation more so later in the day than I do actually while I'm sitting. Because even now, after over a decade of daily meditation practice, I'm still restless sometimes while I'm sitting. And, um, but if I don't sit in the morning, I can feel a difference later on in my day. So it's just, there's a big correlation to maintaining a consistent meditation practice, even if it's short and how peaceful and less reactive and more able I am to cope with all the stuff that's coming at us in the world today, um, in the rest of my life. Does that have anything to do with any type of I know that they don't call, I don't think all Buddhists call Buddhism religion, but does this have anything to do with Buddhism, Zen, anything like that? I mean, Buddhism has some of the same roots as yoga philosophy, and I would not call either one of them necessarily a religion, but um, yoga philosophy is definitely not a religion. I can't really speak to Buddhism because it hasn't been my study, but um, in terms of yoga philosophy, it, it is not a religion. It is a philosophical system of living and experiencing the transcendent so something greater than self and so there are all these practices whether it's the physical practices like the postures that you see in the average yoga class or the meditation practices that are what I call on the deeper end of the spectrum but it's all helping us to expand kind of our experience of life beyond our personal story and into a greater connectivity with all life and all energy. And so, yeah, it, does that answer the question? Hopefully. <laughs> a little bit. Tell me why someone would pick up your book. Oh, uh, well, Spark Change, the, the latest book, um, you heard me talking about all the major changes that I've gone through in my life. And uh, I certainly studied the process of change. I've taught workshops and retreats and everything else on it and working with so many of my clients when they're in transitions of different kind, um, career transitions, relationship transitions, you know, change is hard for human beings and everybody is facing it right now. Everybody is just kind of overwhelmed with the amount of changes that are happening around them, many of which are not elected and even elected change is hard enough, but um, when it's kind of forced upon you, it's super hard. And so Spark Change, my book, is it's a book of questions. The subtitle is 108 Provocative Questions for Spiritual Evolution. And um, what's cool about it is that people can just open it up and on one page, they get a question and then they get a little commentary on that question and how to work with it. And so it's, um, it's a great way to kind of intuitively see what it is you need right now. And so people have told me that they open the book randomly and see what question pops out for them on a day, or they look up a significant number in their life, or maybe a number just occurs to them and they look up that question. So out of 108 questions, I'm pretty certain that there is one, at least one question that's going to kind of rock your world a little bit. Um, I've had a lot of people tell me that even the first question in the book really stopped them in their tracks. So it's fun to see how people are using it and what they're getting from it. 
And I think people can, you ask me what they'll get from it. I think they're going to get a lot of guidance in how to navigate change and what to think about while they're going through it. What's the significance of 108? Mm, yes. Um, well, I'm not going to completely give that away because I do talk about that in the introduction and I want people to check out the book. But it's a significant number in many different traditions, but particularly in the yoga tradition. Um, there are, it said that if you can slow your breath rate down in meditation to having only 108 breaths in a day, that you will reach enlightenment. So worthy goal. We'll see. I don't know <laughs> if that's true, but there's a whole bunch of other significances, but I'll, I'll, I'll just tease it out with that. Do you, how long do you meditate for? Uh, 30 minutes a day. Every, every morning? Yeah, every morning. And then if I'm lucky or if I'm being committed, I'll do try to do a practice in the evening as well. But that doesn't always happen. And when do you do your yoga? So just as a sort of a technicality, to me, yoga and meditation, and not just to me, in the kind of classical teachings of yoga, yoga and meditation are one and the same. They're, they're, <clears throat> yoga is not just a physical practice. It's It really encompasses that union that happens. Yoga means union. So it's that union that happens when we can quiet the body, quiet the mind, and have an experience of self, again, that's kind of bigger than the personality story. And um, I forgot your question. I got sidetracked telling you the traditional <laughs> yoga. I said, when do you do yoga? Oh, do I do? Yeah. So to me, I'm doing yoga when I'm meditating. Or, and or I also do physical practice of yoga, so postures and movement, um, just before I sit. So every day I do a, a 15 to 20 minute physical practice. That also is like an energy practice. So I'm moving energy with breath and visualization and then the sitting practice as well. So 15 to 20 minutes of moving yoga and then 30 minutes of stationary yoga. Yeah, exactly. Yep. <laughs> and then the rest of the day I'm practicing my yoga by trying to embody the qualities that um, the teachings lay out in terms of like what's going to bring us into greatest peace, like practicing active peacefulness, not engaging in conflict, practicing authenticity and integrity, practicing um, contentment regardless of circumstances, practicing self-discipline, practicing devotion. These are all um, parts of the yogic practice. The lifestyle. Yeah, exactly. Tell me, this is my favorite question to ask authors. Probably the hardest question. Tell me your favorite chapter of the book. Oh, um, I'd have to say the chapter on willingness because this is where people get hung up. They, they know they want to change something. They know they need to change something. They can define what that is. They get clear about it. And then they kind of face the reality of what it's going to take the work it's going to take, the consequences of, you know, maybe shifting some things in their life. And um, so in that chapter, I'm really asking them to look at how willing they are to do the work of change. And then also giving them tools to build willpower. So willingness and willpower to me are on the same spectrum of experience. And we've got to get willing first. And then once we're really, really willing, we can start to develop willpower. And of course, willpower is essential for any Thing that we want to do in life what's tell me what the personal yoga is so you do personal yoga teaching or coaching is that correct coaching. tell mm -hmm. me walk me through that what does that look like sure so um, let's say somebody is struggling in their relationship and they're trying to just get clear about whether they should 
stay in, let's say, a marriage and keep working on it, or they should leave this marriage and, you know, move on. And, um, and so a lot of times, like I said, people come to the coaching practice with me when they're in a time of transition or looking at some kind of change. And so I utilize questions to help them think outside of the parameters that they've been thinking recently. So it's a lot of dialogue at first to kind of sort through um, their experience and their belief system and what's keeping them from that clarity, that inner clarity that they're looking for. Um, and then there's also practices, like I might introduce breath or visualization practices to help them move energy in their body. We might do some physical movement, depending on what they've got going on physically and how their emotional experience is affecting their bodies. So it, it's different for each person, but if you can imagine, it holds a little bit of a lot of things, um, all focused towards helping someone really get clear about themselves and the forward movement in their life tell i know this is gonna be maybe another tough one give me a question or two that we could present to our audience from the book yeah sure so let's do the let's do the open it randomly and let's see what drew's audience today might benefit from okay so i'm just gonna randomly i was gonna it. ask you to do that i didn't know you had the book right there i know of course i have the book right here so okay if i could change one if oh sorry if i could what one thing would i change about the world so this is actually a question not so much about the person but about the world and um so i'll just read like a tiny bit of the commentary which says we can sometimes feel small and powerless to make a difference in this big world, but every one of us has something to share. Reflect on what concerns you in the world today, what you care deeply about, a cause, an injustice, or a shared human experience. Knowing what you would like to change is a great directional sign toward your purpose. And um, it goes on. There's there's more on that commentary, but like you, I don't know if you that you can see it's just like one question and then the commentary on each page and so it really puts someone into a self-reflective kind of state of mind and because all the questions are pointed towards the person's individual evolution um, even though that was a question about what they might want to change outwardly it's kind of like well what can we do to engage in that change and how are we supposed to be a part of that because we really are supposed to be the change right that we want to see in the world. I have that on my in my other place. I have that on the wall, Gandhi. Yes. It's a very yes. good one. Okay, give me one more. Just okay. just because maybe this one will be for a person instead of the world. Yeah. Okay. Uh, okay. What is being asked of me in this situation? Um, sometimes the answer to this question is an obvious external action, but often it's not so simple. In many situations, it might be a more subtle internal shift in relationship to what is happening. Obviously, we can't control everything that happens around us, but we can change how we stand in response to it. Maybe we need to be more accepting, or maybe we need to set better boundaries. By undertaking conscious, willing change, we decide for ourselves why a particular challenge has come and what we can learn through it or what we need to do. In this way, every challenge helps us build strength, resiliency, and faith. I love that. Yes. I, that's what I talked about in like in part of my live this morning when I couldn't talk. Cool. <laughs> I, I talked about acceptance and you know I had some internet issues and I said sometimes instead of complaining about everything in life, like you can accept things and, and be okay with it. And then like once I let go, 
I didn't have so much frustration or it wasn't so emotional. So yeah, I love that part of it. Exactly. So it's very much about how we stand in relationship to something. There's a big chapter in the book about lessons and what we're meant to learn through all the experiences that are in our life. Oh, there's another one, another question that I love. Um, What can I learn from the most challenging person in my life? And that's one that people really, really groove on because we all have challenging people in our lives. And, you know, we don't even have to go to politics with, you know, where everybody's triggered. But um, just in personal circumstances, everybody's got challenging people. But they're our teachers. And if we can honor them as our teachers and really look at what we're meant to learn through those relationships, it, it really changes just how we feel in our day. Like you said, when you got to that point of acceptance, of the stuff that was happening this morning, you just were less frustrated. You felt better. And we can do the same thing with all the challenges in our life. It's a practice, but we really can. Tell me the opposite. The opposite of, the like, so you said, what can we learn from someone challenging in our life? What's the opposite of just being angry and frustrated that that challenging person is in our life? Yeah, I mean, the opposite would be what we see such so many examples of, you know, people just stay stuck in blame and judgment, finger pointing, like it's all that person's fault, that person's the bad person, blah, 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 they've hurt me, they've done this, they, 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 and, um, or he, she, whatever. And as soon as we shift out of judgment and blame, and we shift into more of a curiosity and like, huh, I wonder what I could learn from this this circumstance or this relationship I'm in. I wonder what I need to grow in myself. What what quality could I embody? Like more patience or or more understanding. You know, it just brings us into a greater position of power, really internal power, rather than victimization. I love that. Like, and I feel like it's that accountability piece that we miss so much. Like we miss that accountability that I'm in control because if we don't take that accountability on ourselves, then it's never our fault. And then we're never in control of our circumstances or situation. Like, oh, it's not my fault, you know? Instead of taking control and being like, I can change this, or if nothing else, I can change my mindset around it. Exactly. And so, you know, the, the people who are just saying it's not my fault, they have to realize that the flip side of that coin is that they're victim. And so <clears throat> it might see, uh, sound like the easy answer to blame somebody else, but really you're putting yourself in a position of powerlessness by doing that. And so it's much more empowering to say, yeah, I, I do have some control over this. And I have control over how I respond and how I react and how I grow. Yeah, so question i couldn't agree more uh jenny tell me one or two one of my favorite things is to hear from people as well when we release work tell me what a couple things that people have said about your book after they read it um let's see well the reviews are just coming in because it just released on september 8th but people are saying that like the first question in the book really stopped them in their tracks people have said this is a a brilliant gem that they are going to go back to day after day and keep on their table to look at. They've said that these are questions that are really going to help them start thinking differently about things in their life. uh, Yeah, just like a lot of surprise and engagement at how quickly they were drawn in and how easy it is to use because it's not like a cover to cover read it's a dip in and grab an inspiration and go with that for the moment or the day you know what i like is that i don't think we sit and ask questions you know like we don't ask questions and i know this i mean i know this from being a radio host for 10 years but 
I mean, I'm okay. Like, I'm perfectly okay asking questions. I like it. But if you sit across from someone, whether it's coffee or virtual coffee these days, in most cases, people will sit and talk about themselves <laughs> for the I, whole time. But yes, they don't ask questions. <laughs> that's so true. And I actually think it's a phenomenon that's started appearing in the last couple of decades because I know when I was a little kid, I was taught to ask questions of people. And there seemed like there was more engagement than there is now. And I think it's just kind of like this selfie culture that we live in where you're right, people just talk about themselves. And then the other person talks about themselves. And there's no questions or like interaction engagement. So yeah, you're comfortable asking questions. And I certainly am. But if it's an interesting thing to notice culturally. It's it has become less and less a way of our conversational style. And but it's so important to build interpersonal relationship. It really is. Yeah, I couldn't agree more. But I like that selfie world that we because it represents so much. Like we don't have the camera before. I don't know how many years ago, five, ten years ago, you wouldn't see one picture in a news feed of a person. It just wasn't a thing for whatever reason. But since that changed, now the now the picture is on you, but it's the same difference. Like you're complaining about your issues. You're telling people about your life and it's not we're not accepting. We're not asking how are you doing? I don't even think we care. <laughs> Well, I hope that's not true. I mean, I if we lose empathy and compassion, we're in big trouble. And I mean, there is a lot of that right now, a lot of lack of that right now in the world. And I think we can see the state of things. But it, you know, empathy and the ability to understand another human being is, is what makes life um, comfortable for all of us. Otherwise, it's just a kind of a dog eat dog world, and that's not. A very, very comfortable place to live. You, well, you know what's a bit troubling to me is that I feel like we were losing the ability to sit across from someone and have a conversation, like a real conversation, listening and asking. And, but and now it's even now it's even worse with the social distancing. And, and I'm not I'm not going to get into the the conversation of what we should be doing, but I just think it's even more challenging. Because before it was like email, text, social media, and now it's even harder to sit across from someone and have a genuine conversation. It is. And you know, one thing that I've been trying to do as I go about just like to the grocery store or any kind of errands when I'm out and about in public and, you know, we're all wearing masks and I try to make better eye contact with people and actually I go out of my way to have a conversation out of safe social distance, but, um, I go out of my way to have a conversation because of that kind of break that has happened because of COVID and the distance that's occurring between all of us. I feel like we need to work harder to build those connections. And um, it's really interesting because what I met with are people dying for that connection. Like they're just right there with me. If I, if I reach out in some way to express, um, maybe it's just being funny about something that's going on in the supermarket or, but it's, it's really just about human connection and we are built for connection. We are tribal beings. And so we can't lose that. That's super important. 
Jenny, before we wrap things up, is there anything that we missed that you wanted to cover? I always like to leave people with just some inspiration. You know, I know change is hard. I've been through a lot of it myself. I've written a book about it. My intention with this book was to inspire and help people, give them some guidance if they're in a difficult and challenging, you know, changing time. Maybe they're super confused, but it is so possible to make good, positive change in your life, even if things are just rock bottom right now. I have seen people come back from some of the worst possible circumstances and we are incredibly resilient as humans so ask for help pick up a book like spark change um engage your willpower because change is totally possible awesome jenny thanks so much tell us about where we can get your book tell us about your website if our listeners yep. need to get a hold of you what what do they do yeah i'm really easy to find i'm on facebook i'm on instagram um jenny lee author usually a search like that will find me um jenny is j-e-n-n-i-e lee author my uh website is jenny lee yoga therapy.com and um there's some free bonus guides you can even get a free excerpt of spark change on my website uh so reach out and we'd love to hear from anyone awesome jenny thank you so much it was an absolute pleasure thank you drew it was great to connect to you and uh with you and i'm glad your technology issues got sorted this morning <laughs> <laughs> thank you all right, that's going to wrap things up for this edition of Exploring Mind and Body. Once again, thank you so much for being here. Thank you for tuning in and being a part of our True Form Life community. You can always find us on Facebook.com slash True Form Life. We post stuff there a couple times a day on our story. We're always trying to bring you more content around living a healthy lifestyle, whether that be nutrition, fitness, lifestyle, and more. We also have free challenges that we do at least once a month. So if you follow us along there, you'll be able to join maybe a plank challenge or a squat challenge, Tabata challenge whatever it may be we'd love to have you join us we're also on instagram.com slash drew tadia again we're posting up there a couple times a day along with our story all dedicated to keeping you fit and healthy and on track our main website is trueformlife.com if you want to check out some of our products some of our services or if you just want some great content from videos to blog posts and recipes and more we got all that at trueformlife.com once again thank you so much for being here that's it that's all i got i'm out of here as always i'm your host drew tadia in health and fitness for a better world thanks for listening you've been listening to exploring mind and body with true form life's drew tadia fitness expert to find out more about the show drew tadia or to listen to past shows visit exploringmindandbody.com